most beautiful special I've ever heard. I don't often get the chance to do that uh, when uh, when she's singing and I'm up here. So, uh, but uh, thank you, Miss Becky. And uh, turn your Bibles this morning to First Peter, chapter number four. First Peter, chapter number four. I do appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it was very last minute and very unplanned, uh, but I uh, appreciate the opportunity to preach anytime I get it. And uh, so I'm very grateful for this this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning uh, in this passage. You'll see very clearly as soon as we start reading. First uh, Peter chapter 4 will be in verse number 12, uh, but talk about the fact that God knows our fiery trial. And uh, some great truths here, some great comforting thoughts I hope for you today. And uh, it seems like, uh, I don't know what pastor's message would have been on, but it seems like God just kind of worked everything out. The songs kind of went along with this today. Uh, back to special went along with this today. Um, things happened this weekend that I don't think anybody foresaw. And uh, so I hope that this is a, a blessing to you this morning. And uh, we'll start reading 1 Peter chapter 4 and look at verse number 12. The Bible says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless. Lord, thank you again for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you just take, uh, Lord, take me out of the way. And uh, Lord, I pray you take your word and help uh, the truth of God's word to fall on good soil this morning. Uh, Lord, I know that there are, are heartaches today and uh, much sorrow uh, for many. And Lord, I pray that you just uh, comfort and still hearts today and uh, show your perfect peace to them. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be with each one of us this morning, encourage us with these truths. And uh, Lord, it is, uh, it is uh, an encouragement to me to know that you know uh, every fiery trial that I uh, have gone through, I am going through, and I will go through one day. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help me just to trust you. Uh, and Lord, help each one of us this morning just to trust you and trust the victory that you have already given to us in all of these things. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask you this question as we get started this morning. Uh, a preacher once said this, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? It's a, it's a uh, kind of a, a humorous question, uh, but a very pointed question, and, and one that sometimes I think we, we don't think about a whole lot. And, uh, you know, the fact that Humanly speaking, we think things just occur sometimes. Things are, are a coincidence. Things happen by chance or, boy, that was lucky that that happened. Uh, but this morning, I, I, wanna, I want you to just think about this question. Has anything ever occurred to God? And, and I think all of us would agree this morning that God is uh, omnipotent. Uh, God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. And so nothing has ever or will ever uh, catch God by surprise. Uh, nothing ever just occurs to God. Uh, you know, there are even times in Scripture where, where the Bible says, uh, you know, I think it said uh, in Noah's day that it repented God that he had created man. Uh, you know, but that wasn't something that he just one day woke up and said, man, I wish I had never done that. 
He knew that event was going to take place before he even created mankind hundreds, thousands of years before. And, and this morning, this question, has it ever occurred to you that nothing, nothing ever occurs to God? Nothing just happens by chance. Everything is in the grand scheme of God's complete and perfect will. And, and whether it is a, a trial as far as a persecution that we may be going through, whether it's just a difficulty of life, uh, the loss of a loved one this morning, whatever it may be, whatever trial we are going through, it's not caught God by surprise. He knows exactly that it was coming, and he's there to walk with us and hold our hand through the entire thing if we're willing to just reach out and accept that help. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about this fiery trial, and we're going to start with just seeing some examples of trials. And uh, three of the, of the greatest ones that, that, uh, that I could think of in the Bible. And uh, so we're going to look at these this morning. Uh, if, you, if you want to turn to Job chapter 1, I'm not going to really reference any specific verses, but the story of Job starts in Job chapter number 1. We see Job chapter number 1 and chapter number 2 both are kind of the, the details of the circumstances that happen to Job. And then the rest of the book kind of takes care of the narrative between him and his friends and between him and God. And, and ultimately, he comes to the realization that, that, uh, that God is in control and that he doesn't know everything, that, that Job is just this finite being. Uh, but in Job chapter number one, we see... Uh, everything that Job owned, everything that Job loved, everything that Job possessed was ripped from him. Everything. Everything except his life and the life of his wife. Uh, his body was not touched. But, but in Job chapter number one, the Bible tells us and, and gives us this story of the fact that Satan, when, when, the, when, when the, the children of God came and, and they met, and Satan came in their midst, and he challenged God, and he said, have you considered Job? Or Jesus, actually, God said that to, to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? That he is perfect and upright, that he escheweth evil. And, and what was Satan's reply to him? Satan basically said, well, of course he does that. Why would he not do that, right? Look at everything you have done in Job's life. You've given him children, you've given him land, you've given him possessions, you've given him wealth, you've given him standing. Uh, Job was probably one of the most influential, if not the most influential and wealthy man of his day. And, 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 and Satan says, look, you take all that from him, and Job will certainly curse you. And so God gave him permission to take everything that Job had. And so Satan did. He went to work immediately. And immediately, his Job's servants started coming from every place and saying, hey, this just happened, and, and guess what? Your camels are gone. This happened, and your flocks are gone. This happened, and, 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 and this is, is, is done. There is no more. And one came and said, guess what? A wind just came and blew down the house, and your children were inside making merry, and all of your children have just perished. All of that took place for Job in one day. And what was Job's response to all of those things? Did he curse God as Satan said he would do? He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so what happened in the next chapter? 
Another meeting takes place, and Satan comes back and he says, well, why, why would Job not honor you? Why would Job not fear you? Why would Job not bless your name? Let me touch him. Let me do something to him, and he will certainly curse me to your face. So what did God do? He said, I'll give you permission. You cannot take his life, but you can do anything you want to. And so he was stricken with, with sores, with boils from the bottom of his feet to the very top of his head. And the, the best thing that Job could do in his life was to sit in a pile of ash and, and, and scratch or to itch himself with a piece of pottery. Even his wife comes to him at this point and says, Job, just curse God and get it over with and let him strike you down dead. What an encouragement. But Job said, I won't do it. Naked have I come from my mother's womb, and naked will I return thither. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? And that was Job's response to the trial that God allowed Job to go through. Was it at the hands of Satan? Yes, absolutely. But God allowed Satan the ability to do those things. God knew exactly what was going to take place. God knew exactly what was going to happen in Job's life. And, and God knew that Job needed to learn a lesson. Although Job was perfect and upright, the Bible says, and he eschewed evil, Job needed to learn a lesson through this. And we'll see here in just a little while, one of the things we need to do in trials is to ask ourselves, how can we glorify God? How can we give God the glory through our trials, through our difficulties? And that is not an easy thing to do. But this morning, as we think about the life of Job, uh, I don't know about you, I don't even know if I could even fathom or even put myself in the circumstance that Job found himself in. To have lost everything that he knew, to, lost, to lose all of his children, and then the very next day to have sores come up on my body that I, I, can't, even, I can't even get relief from. There was no magical oil that we have today. There was no cream to put on. He sat in a pile of ash. And his wife even came and said, just, just get it over with. End your life by cursing God. And he would not do it. He would not uh, turn from the God he knew. And, and we see the example of the trial uh, in Job's life. You go a little bit further in, in the Old Testament. You come to the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, 2, and 3, uh, there's some great illustrations, some great stories in there. Uh, but in Daniel chapter number 3, we find the story of the three Hebrew children. Uh, we find the, the, the story uh, of these men uh, as they come through. And uh, in, in Job's life, or in, in these men's life, they come to this circumstance where they are told, you're going to go forward and you're going to bow down before all of these before this God that I have created, right? And uh, I think I put a couple slides in the wrong place there. Guys, if you want to just go ahead and skip to the next point for them so they have it up there. If we get back to it, it's okay. If not, it's not a big deal anyways, all right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children that are here in this story. And got, we come to this place in their story, and these three men are, are, are come to the place with the with the challenge of, am I going to bow down to this false god as I've been commanded to in captivity? Or am I going to stand up against it because I know that God has told me not to bow down? And so uh, the king of Babylon uh, makes this decree and he, he creates 
this golden image to, to refer to him. It, it's, a, it's an image of himself. And he creates this image, and he says, when you hear the sound of all kinds of music, he goes through a long list of musical instruments, when he says, when you hear the music play, everyone is to bow down to the image. And so guess what happened? The music played, everyone bowed down, except for three people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stayed standing in defiance to the decree to bow down to this idol. Well, they were loyal servants up to this point, and so the king said, I'm going to give you another chance. It's been brought to my attention. You did not bow, so this next time, you better bow, or we're going to heat up that fiery furnace, and we're going to throw you in. And so the music played. Everyone bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and, and in his rage, Nebuchadnezzar commanded that furnace to be heated seven times hotter than it normally would have been. To the point that even the mighty men that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them in the fiery furnace, when the furnace was just opened, the heat that came out struck those men down dead. They weren't even thrown in the fire. Just the heat that came out. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the furnace and Nebuchadnezzar looks in, and what does he see? Four people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and another that he said as the image of the Son of God. Walking in the flames with them. And they came out, and the Bible tells us that they did not even smell of smoke or of fire. Their clothes were not burned. Nothing happened to them as they were thrown in the flames. They had a trial, they had a, a persecuting type of a trial uh, from without, from, from other human beings, and yet they stood for the Lord in their trial. And God blessed, and God honored, and God protected, and God took care of them. We see also the example of Paul. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And the Bible tells us here in this passage, look at verse number 23. We'll read down through verse number 27. The Bible tells us uh, of the Apostle Paul in uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Bible says, Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes more above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep or in the sea. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. That is Paul's resume. Paul goes through the list of everything he's experienced as he's going forth for the cause of Christ. Turn over, if you need to, chapter number 12 of 2 Corinthians. 
and look at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We see these three examples this morning. There are, off, there, there are many more. I mean, we could go to story after story after story of people that suffered and went through trials in their life. But these three went through them in, a, in, a, in an unordinary way. They went through them in a way that pleased Christ. They went through them in a way where they were looking to God for his, for his strength. Paul, in this last passage, said, For when I am weak, when I can't do it, then are you strong. Then your strength is brought before me. And so we see this morning that there's the examples of trials. But we see also what, are, what should be our attitude in the trials. What should be our response? What, what, should, what should be... You know, as we go through these, what should our attitude be? Well, we've seen three great examples of what our attitude should be. Uh, but look back at First Peter chapter number four. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. It's not that this is a maybe. It's not that this is a possibility in life. The Bible tells us. Think it not strange when the trial comes, right? Think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you. It is going to come. There is going to be trials. It is not a maybe. It is not a possibility. It is not a wonder that we should think maybe I might go through a trial sometime in my life as a Christian. Probably more so as Christians, we're going to go through trials than if we were not. The difference is, is we have a God in heaven that loves us and cares for us. And if we read that verse this morning in Psalms, that thinks thoughts as the sand, number of the sand of the sea towards us. He cares for us every step of the way. And, and our attitude in trial, if you continue reading here, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but in verse number 13, but rejoice. Rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. Our first attitude in, in our trial should be the, the, the attitude of joy. And, and let me tell you, that's a whole lot easier for me to stand up here and say that than it is for us to do it when the time comes. 
It's very difficult to go through these things in, in a way that is pleasing to Christ. I don't know about you, but if I was in a situation like Job and those things came into my life, I don't think I would have responded the same way. I don't think many of us in this room could say we would have responded that same way. I don't know that there's a lot of us that could say, as Paul said, look, much rather, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Things are difficult. And we call them difficulties for a reason. It's tough. It's a trial. It, it's, it's hard to go through them. But we ought to have the attitude of joy in our lives. For rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be gl uh, glad also with exceeding joy. James also talks about this in, in James chapter 1, verse 2, where, where James says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. In other words, different kinds of trials. Many different things that you're going to experience in life. And again, he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. It's not a possibility. We are going to experience these things in our life. But may I say this morning that happiness, happiness is a response to my circumstances. But joy is the disposition of the Spirit of God within my life. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. There's a big difference. Happiness comes as a result of the circumstances that I am in. Happiness is there because I have money in my bank account. Happiness is there because I got a new car. Happiness is there because my family is doing well. Happiness is there because I'm in good health. Happiness is there because of something that is going on. But I think we could all agree that Job was probably not the happiest person when everything got taken from him and his children were killed. But I think we can say that he probably had an attitude of this underlying current of joy in his life. Because he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he gave glory back to God. He had this, this disposition, this, this attitude of joy in his life. Not because of his circumstances. Paul did not have joy because of the circumstances. He didn't have joy or, or happiness because he was in a shipwreck because he was beaten with rods, because he was flogged, because he was stoned, because he almost died three times, because he was in peril after peril after peril after peril after peril, according to 2 Corinthians 11. It was not happiness that was there in his life. It was joy because he knew God was there along with him. And, and, and happiness is a response to my circumstances, but joy is the disposition of the fact that God's Spirit resides in my life. God is with me. And because He is with me, I can have this attitude of joy. Joy should not depend on my circumstances, but rather 
the confidence that I am God's and he knows what, is, what he is doing in my life. Trials, are, are they difficult? I mean, can we get a raise of hands? How many of you enjoy trials? I, I, I almost got Brother Guy. <laughs> Guy just... Do we enjoy it? No. I, I think all of us would say, no, I am not happy when difficult things come into my life. But should we all have this attitude of joy? Yes. And, and how does that happen for us as Christians? How does that take place? My brethren, count on all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. In other words, God is working in those trials. God is working behind the scenes. God is working in our situation. God is there. He knows what's going on, and he knows what is best, and he knows what I can handle in my life. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 10 13, uh, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. He knows exactly what I can handle and what I can't handle. And, and, and God wants us to have this joyful attitude, this, this undertow, this undercurrent of joy in our life because I have the Spirit of God indwelling inside of me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and you go on. It comes because I know God loves me, and because of that, I know I can have joy because He is there every step of the way. Our attitude in trials should be one of joy, but it should also be one of patience. I just started quoting that verse in, in James 1, uh, verses 2 through 4, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this is the trying of your faith work of patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, or complete, and entire, wanting, or lacking, nothing. It's not that I'm going to be perfect, that I'm going to be sinless. It's not that I'm going to be uh, completely holy and without sin in my life. That word perfect is that I just may be complete, and that I am complete because of Christ. Because of Him inside of my life, because of Him working and being at work every step of the way. Our attitude in trials should be one of joy, it should be one of patience, but it should also be one of prayer. If you continue reading in the book of James, chapter number one, verse number five says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The person who's just driven like the wind and just tossed to and fro he, he's not he's not uh he's not firm he's not steady in christ he hasn't placed his faith truly and wholly in who god is much like this storm that's just coming up our coast uh, the winds are are blowing to and fro and whatever is in its path is going to get blown around But we have certain buildings here in Florida 
and the way buildings are built for a particular reason so that they don't get destroyed, so they don't get blown over, so they don't, those storms that come don't wreak havoc. And it's very similar to the way we ought to be building our life and building our life on who Christ is, that he is the foundation. I was talking with the teenagers this morning of that passage in Matthew 16 where Peter said, uh, uh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Upon that confession, upon that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The foundation is God. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And we've got to be in him. It gives us patience. It gives us prayer. It gives us joy in our lives. We ought to turn to the Lord in times of trials, but it seems sometimes that we would save some time and go through trials easier if we were with the Lord all the time. Rather than just falling back on him when a trial comes. Isn't that true of us sometimes where we, we, you know, we get going in life and things are going smooth, things are going well. And so I, I kind of, I kind of take off the pressure of spending time with God, asking him to help in certain things. I kind of start to fall back on, on trusting in me and trusting in my strength because things are, are going well. And what happens? Then the trial comes, and what do we immediately do? We immediately turn to God. Our, our world, we, we've seen that over and over and over again. Things come up, things uh, you know, like, like 9-11, when 9-11 happened, and, and what happened? The churches were flooded with people. How long did that last? A month? Two? Three would probably be generous? People realized God is what I need, but it didn't take long, and they were right back to trusting in themselves. Our current situation and what we're going through right now as, as a, as a, in our world. And yet, even in this, some people still fail to recognize and see God is in control. And they fail to go to him. And, and sometimes, I, I, you know, I, I think we, we treat God kind of like a, like a genie in a bottle. That, hey, when I, when I have a need, when something's going wrong, when, when there's a difficulty, when there's a trial, when there's, you know, when I need him, then I start praying. Then I start asking. Then I start communicating. Then I start spending time with the Lord. When if we would just have that relationship on a daily basis and stay with him it'd be a whole lot easier and probably much better to go through the trials when they come because he's already there he's already with me he's walking with me every single day and that's the way our life ought to be is that we are spending time with him where we have this attitude of joy we have this uh, spirit of patience and, and asking God to do a work in my life but we also go to him in prayer. We go to him in faith. We go to him believing that he can and will help. 
but then we also should have an attitude of worship. An attitude of worship. If, if you read in Job chapter number 1, verse number 20, when Job got done with the first part of his trial, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. What an amazing response to the trial that he went through. And yet, he found comfort in having an attitude of worship even in the midst of something so difficult. He realized God, God is in control. God is over this whole thing. And I need to point the glory. I need to point everything that's going on back to him and the fact that he is in control. So then let me ask you this, what should be our response to these trials? That question we asked at the beginning, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? What is, what is our response? When trials come, it doesn't just happen. It's not a coincidence. When good things happen, you know, and, 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 and we look at life and, you know, something happens, but then in the mail I just happen to get a check or I just happened to get the note, or I just happened to do that. Is it just coincidence that that happened? No. God was, you know, when, when you get a note that just that day you're starting to go through something difficult, and just that day you receive a note from somebody saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Remember, God's in control. Guess what? God had to lay it on that person's heart days before so they would write it and mail it to you so it would arrive the day that God wanted it to arrive. God is in control and God is working behind the scenes in everything. So what is our response when trials do come? Well, look at the response. Go ahead and turn with me to Job chapter number one. And look at the response that Job had here at the end of chapter number one. Job 1, and look at verse number 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. That was Job's response. What should be our response in trials? When our passage there in 1 Peter, the Bible tells us to think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Don't think it a strange thing. When trials come, we've already mentioned this multiple times, it is a sure thing trials are going to come. So don't think it's something odd or something strange that this thing is happening to you. It happens to everyone. It happens to every Christian. It happens to every child of God. It happens to every person that lives in this world. Trials are a part of life. Trials are a part of life even for the Christian. Some people think that when they get saved, all the tr trouble just magically vanish away. It's not the way it works. We're still going to go through the same things. Guess what? We just have help along the way. Don't think it's strange concerning this fiery trial. Job didn't think it strange that this happened. His response was, I came in naked, I'm going to go back naked. God gave, God took away. I'm here to serve and glorify God. Blessed be His name. 
that is not the attitude of him going, why me? Why this happened to me? Why couldn't it have happened to so-and-so? He did not think it strange in his life. Think it not strange when you have fiery trials, when things come in, because they are going to try you. But then do this. Ask yourself, how can I glorify God in this trial? What is our purpose in life as Christians? To point people to our Savior. To give Him glory. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth showeth forth its firmament. God is worthy of praise. God is worthy of worship. God is worthy of whatever glory we can bestow upon Him. As the little insignificant creatures we are. Ask yourself, how can I glorify God in this trial? Becky was, we were sitting on the couch last night, I was working on the the PowerPoint for this morning, and uh, I gave her, I gave her my message, all right, she did not do this message for me, uh, but I gave her my message to read over, I usually do that, and she read over it. And uh, she said this, this last page, which is pretty much point number three that we're on, uh, she said this last page reminds me of somebody that she knew uh, in, in her Mary Kay business that had posted something about Corey Ten Boom. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Corey Ten Boom as she uh, fled from the, from, from the Nazis, right, in, uh, in, in World War II, and uh, was in a concentration camp. And... and Corey Ten Boom's sister, uh, she remembered her sister saying, I, I'm thankful for the fleas on my body because the Germans would leave them alone. They wouldn't grab them. They wouldn't do anything with them because of the, the, the flea infestation that she had. I don't know about you, but I don't want fleas on my body. But she found a way to glorify God and be thankful for something even in the midst of being in the concentration camp and being ridden with fleas but it kept her out of trouble with, the, with, 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 her, with her captors and, and amazing if you get the chance re, re, uh, what's the book called The Hiding Place uh, I think there's also a movie that, that follows along that as well uh, a tremendous story of, of her life and a great testimony but how can I glorify God in my trial I think compared to that, compared to Job, compared to Paul, I think all of us could say I've never experienced anything even remotely close. But yet we are going to go through trials, and what is our response going to be? How can I glorify God in this trial? And then another response we could have would be to just continue serving. Continue to serve God. Uh, Job, in his response, in all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. He blessed the name of the Lord. And in the next chapter, we see him just continuing to, to, to move on, continuing to go forward. The Apostle Paul, in the verses we read in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul said, look, I'm going to just continue to go forward for the cause of Christ, no matter if I'm in a shipwreck, no matter if I'm being beaten, no matter if I'm getting stoned, no matter if I'm in peril after peril after peril after peril. Uh, I have decided that I'm going to rather glory in these infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me so that I can continue doing more and more for the cause of Christ. 
what a response. And yet we get in a, in, in a small little trial, something that is just a ripple in our day, and guess what it does? It ruins our entire day. It changes our entire attitude. It makes the day absolutely horrible because we allow it to do that. I am one of the worst. I, I, I like things to go according to plan, according to schedule, according to whatever it is. And when it doesn't, I, I mean, I do my best to be flexible, but sometimes it's just like, why? Why can't anything just seem to go right? Right? Uh, yesterday morning, we were getting ready for the men's breakfast, and, and I did a, a, a last test on the laptop for the live stream I was going to send to the guys, and, uh, and that computer lagged like crazy. It was like five, six seconds behind. It was trying to catch up and do all these things. I was just like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do because we were out there in the foyer. There was no cameras out there. We're trying to use this webcam. And uh, I, I ended up having to pull a, a desktop computer out of one of the offices into the foyer with a monitor to put that thing on there to be able to run that stream. It, but it just seemed like yesterday morning was just one of those days. just didn't seem like anything was going according to the plan. <laughs> but guys, no matter what happens in life, we need to point back to God, point back to his glory, continue serving him. Don't ever let Satan win because of a trial or difficulty you go through. Always let Jesus Christ be the victor in your life, for he has already given us the victory. Don't let Satan win. If there's any other reason to go through trials in a way that glorifies God, it's so that we can look back at Satan and say, you didn't win today. Take that. What now? What are you going to do now, Satan? I, I kind of feel like that's, in, in a way, that's kind of what Job was doing. What, what's, what's next? What else you got? <laughs> was it difficult? Yes. But he wasn't going to let Satan win. He was going to give the glory back to God. God has already given us the victory, so let him have the victory in our lives as we go through trials. 1 John 4, 4, a couple verses as we close this morning. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is greater than anything that can come up in our lives. Anything. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God because he's given us. We, the Bible tells us we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He's given it to us. He's already won and he's offered it to us. All we've got to do is accept that victory in our lives and point the glory back to Jesus Christ who won the victory for us in the first place. God knows our fiery trial. He does. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. God knows what it is. But he's going to be there every step of the way along with us to help us through whatever it is we're going through. 
financial difficulties, physical difficulties, health problems, family problems, loss of loved ones, storms, hurricanes, COVID-19. It doesn't matter. God is in control. Nothing has caught him by surprise. And he's got it going on for a reason so that we might glorify him, so that he might get the glory through it all. The question is, this morning, what trial are you in? What trial are you going through? What is your attitude? What is your response? Are you trusting and putting your faith in who God is? Someone once said that if you're not in a trial right now, you either just came out of a trial or you're getting ready to go into one. It's just the way life is. If you're on smooth seas right now, get ready. If you're in it, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. God is there every step of the way, but are we placing our trust in him? He knows it. He's there. It hasn't caught him by surprise. Nothing has just occurred to God. But we've got to put our faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you've given to us this morning. Thank you for your word and thank you for the truth uh, that you have presented to us. Lord, thank you for the encouragement this was to me. And uh, Lord, as I thought about just the different things that are going on in the life of the people of our church, our friends, our families. Lord, there's so much uh, even even just throughout our world right now with, with COVID and, and everything that's going on with it. Lord, even just a hurricane that's here. Uh, Lord, I, I, I know things are going to come. Storms are going to come. Trials are going to fall across our way. But Lord, I pray you'd help me in my life to trust, to follow. Lord, to depend upon you because I know that you know exactly what's going on and it hasn't caught you by surprise. I know that you know what the outcome is going to be and I know that it's going to be in your perfect plan and in your perfect will. And so Lord, I pray you'd help me to trust. Lord, I pray you'd help each person that's under the sound of my voice this morning that they would trust you no matter what it is that they are going through, no matter what it is that they are in the middle of right now. Lord, I pray that you'd get the glory and the honor for it as we go through these things may we as james said may we go through these trials with patience and let patience have that work where we may become perfect and entire lacking nothing and lord i pray that you'd get the glory in everything that's done and said at the rest of this service this morning we pray this in christ's name amen Keep